Amen. Isn't that sweet to see them excited about going to hear about God? Oh, if we had the faith of a child, right? If we had the excitement of, of children running uh, into class and, and excited, if we were overjoyed and, and, and thinking about the, the video uh, uh, of the kids in, in Africa running, storming the gates, running in to hear the gospel. Oh, my. Oh my. Uh, the missionary that led that, if I'm not mistaken, right? He's the one that'll be here uh, next Sunday night um, from Hands On Africa. So I do encourage you to, to come and, and be a part of that and see what's going on uh, as we're going to have uh, Mary and her family are going uh, on that trip in the spring to Africa. And uh, so we're going to be seeing a lot more of that uh, coming up, a lot more news about that. and. And so we're going to have a, another chance to see what God is doing there and how we as a church uh, can partner with Hands on Africa in making the Word known uh, to that area uh, of, of the world. <clears throat> Continue to, uh, to lift up Israel and uh, this entire situation in the Middle East. Um, that the Gospel be spread there. Amen? that those that are lost, Jew and Gentile, Jews and, and Islam, that they, would, that they would be receptive to the Gospel. And that there would be people taking the Gospel to them. Those folks may very well be living in your neighborhood. They're living in this county. And so we need to make the Gospel known to everybody around us. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series called Building a, a Strong Foundation, and we looked at 
had a lot of information on, on what brings us to the Christian faith uh, through the Reformation and how all that developed and came about. Um, and, and we looked a couple of weeks ago about having faith in Christ alone. Um, but why should we have faith in Jesus? Why should we have faith in Jesus? Who is Jesus? Okay, so we're going to be looking at that this morning. What does the world say about Jesus? And, and why do other religions feel compelled or forced to address who Jesus is? Have you ever thought about that? And we believe in Him as a risen Lord and Savior, a part of the Trinity, but, but every other religion has their idea. They, 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 they want to have a, an input on who they see Jesus to be. And to think about it, if Jesus didn't exist, if He wasn't who He claimed to be, and then why would, why would all these other religions want to include Him in some form in their doctrine? They all address Him in, in some way. And so, let me say this morning, if you're searching for spiritual truth, it would be a good idea to start with the man that all the other religions are talking about and compelled to trying to explain. But He is the one, amen, that we serve today. They all, all these religions, they see Him as a threat, in a sense, to their belief system. They all, again, have a, a need to explain why their faith is superior to Christ. They all address Him in some way. If He weren't a threat, if He weren't an influence, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't address Him. They wouldn't feel led to address Him. And so since they all try to explain Jesus away, it might be a good idea for us to investigate Him, right? Again, Christianity was founded on Jesus Christ, who claimed to be and is 100% man and 100% God. And think about this, no other religion or no other person makes that claim. You can't find it. Jesus is the only one. Christianity is the only faith that does that. Was it C.S. Lewis, I think, that said that if, he wasn't, if Jesus wasn't who He said He was, then He was either a liar or a lunatic, right? And I think we've proven over the last couple of weeks the, the, the trustworthiness of, God, of the Gospel and of God's Word. That we can believe it, it's dependable. And we can take what it says as the truth. But, but why do some other religions, all the other religions, want to address Him in some way? Well, let's look at, at what some of them think about Jesus. The Jews, again, a, a big religion in, in our day and time today, they believed that Jesus was Mary's son. They believed he was a great teacher or a rabbi, that he indeed had disciples, that he was respected, that he performed miracles, that he claimed to be the Messiah and was crucified on the cross. That he claimed to be, they didn't believe it, but they acknowledged that that's what he claimed to be. And they acknowledged also that his disciples reported that he was raised from the dead. What about the Muslim? Believers in the Quran, they, they love Jesus. They honor Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. 
he is a man to be revered and, and respected, that he was a, a prophet or a messenger of Allah, that he was a wise teacher, that, uh, that he worked miracles. They don't believe he was crucified, but they do believe that God ascended him into heaven and that he's coming back. They refer to him as a servant of Almighty God, but never the son of Almighty God. Hindus, they believe in many gods. (laughs) They believe that Jesus was a wise man, a holy man, but not God, or or rather that He was a teacher and a God of gods. They might say that this podium here is a God. (laughs) And let's bow down and worship it. What about the Buddhist? They don't believe in God. They believe that Jesus was an enlightened man. Again, that He was a wise teacher. And they focus on the spiritual development and the, and the pursuit of enlightenment. That you get better the more times you're, you're recreated. What about the New Agers? They believe that Jesus was a moral teacher. That He was a good person. That He was an enlightened man. But they don't believe that He was Almighty God because they believe they can become a God themselves. The New Agers reduced Jesus to a mere man who attained spiritual enlightenment through occultic involvement. Now compare all of that to the Christian faith. So who is Jesus? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and You can also mark uh, Colossians chapter 1. Put your finger in there. We're going to be turning back and forth between those two passages this morning. But in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus poses the question to His disciples and and I would say also to us this morning, Who is Jesus to you? Take a moment and reflect on that question for just a moment. Who is Jesus to you? What is Jesus, what does He mean to you in your life? How does Jesus influence your life? How does Jesus impact your life? How has Jesus changed your life? How are you going to answer that question when Jesus poses it to us? Who is Jesus to you? There are a number of verses that that we could unpack to to describe and validate Jesus in Scripture. But again, this morning I want to focus primarily on on Matthew 16 and Colossians 1. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, we see uh, Jesus uh, asking His disciples and we see that that, that Peter makes a declaration of who, who Jesus is. In verse 13 and 14, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked the disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. Wow. 
They were all over the place. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know how to, how to take him. The, the world, that is. He was unlike anything that they had ever experienced. He was unlike anybody that they had, had ever encountered or even, even heard of. His demeanor, think about it, his, his demeanor, his, his attitude, his lifestyle, his teachings, his miracles, which you talked about this morning in your Sunday school class and, and in the coming weeks ahead. You, know, you looked at the miracles that, that Jesus did. His insight into life. His claims to be God. They were all different than anything they'd ever heard. In fact, completely different than anything today, wouldn't you say? So he, who was He? Who was He? On the information table out there and on the table out front, there's a, a handout that says, Who is this Jesus? Jesus in His deity and Jesus in His humanity. And this is... This lists a number of scripture and topics that you can go back and, and, and it lays out for you describing Jesus and His deity. Describing Jesus and His humanity. What made Him like God? What made Him human? What was His characteristics as a human and as God? A lot of that is laid out in this handout here. <clears throat> but Jesus comes to His disciples and, and He asks them, what who, who do people say that I am? Again, they have all kind of, of answers. But the people knew, the people of that new day knew that He was special. They knew there was something different about Jesus. But God, Jesus being God, whoa, wait a minute. You're going to a whole other level right here. It's the same for us today. This Jesus that we, that we revere, this Jesus that we worship, is God. Amen? In verse 15 in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus then turns the questions from, 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 from what do the people out there say? If He were here today, He'd say, Hey guys, what do the people out in Cleveland County say? Who do they say I am? And He would follow up that question with saying, who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? Let me ask you, does what you believe in Jesus match who He really is? If you will, turn with me over to Colossians chapter 1 now. We're going to look at some truths of, of what Paul, how Paul describes who Jesus is. And, and in this passage, he's, he's writing about the supremacy of God. And we find five truths about Jesus in this passage. And, and the first truth is that Jesus is God, okay? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. In John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, no one's ever seen God. Right? No one's ever seen God. The one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side, 
He has revealed Him. He has revealed God. Jesus has revealed God. In John chapter 14, verse 7 and 8, He says, if you really know Me, He would say that to us today, if, if we really know Him, you will know My Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him, Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus replied to Philip, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is God. Amen. We look at verse 15 and 16 in Colossians chapter 1. It describes Jesus as being the creator of all things. In verse 15 it says, Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. He was there at creation, folks. He was with God. He was part of the plan. He was part of the creation process. Verse 16 says, For through Him, through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and what? For Him. For who? For Jesus. It was all created for Him and through Him. Genesis chapter 1-1 says, In the beginning God created. Right? In the beginning God created and in John in the New Testament follows that up in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And he says, In the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. He was with God when? In the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Get this, without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Everything that was made, seen and unseen, was made through Him. Verse 4 says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Folks, Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and no darkness can overcome any light. Amen? Light dispels darkness. Jesus dispels the darkness in our world. Back to Colossians chapter 1. And Paul continues to describing who Jesus is in, in, in verse 17. He says, not only is Jesus God, not only is Creator of all things, but He's a sustainer of all, all things. It says in verse 17, He existed before anything else. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed before anything else. And listen to this. It says, and He holds all creation together. The idea here is that Jesus keeps all things from falling into utter, complete chaos. He is the, he's the glue that keeps us together. He's the, the ligaments in the body that keeps the body connected and, and to the gather. He is the oil in the machine that makes it run smoothly. That 
is Jesus. That is the Godson. Amen? And so to believe in Jesus is to believe that He is God, that He is the Creator of all things, that He is the Sustainer of all things. And number four, that He is the head of the church. Verse 18. Jesus is the head of the church. Verse 18, Colossians chapter 1. It says that He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. God is the head of the church. But in order for the church to be who God wants us to be, we must be who God created us to be. And to submit ourselves unto His authority and His Lordship in our life. And the word head here means to, to, to be the sole authority, to be the, the sole power in the church. And Christ alone is the, the head of the church. Jesus is, is the only one who determines what we should do and how we should function because it is His church. That is who we surrender to. That is who we bow to. And the day that, that, that Jesus is no longer the, the head of the church, we will no longer be the church. Someone was mentioning this morning about, about a church that they knew of that, that didn't preach the gospel, that didn't preach, preach the blood of Jesus. There was no invitation given. There was no preaching on sin or, or anything. Folks, that's not a church. Because it's not under the leadership and the guidance of the church or Jesus Christ. Salvation comes through Jesus alone and nothing else. So to believe in Jesus is to believe again that He is, the, that he is God, that He is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. <clears throat> that He is the head of the church. And number five in Colossians chapter 1, he is the reconciler between God and man. He's the only one that can make it right. He's the only one that can settle the account between us and God. It says in verse 19, it says in Colossians chapter 1, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Jesus and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through what? Through His blood shed on the cross. That is the only way that we can have peace with God is through accepting the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. It says in verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusations. Again, only the, the blood of Jesus can restore us to a, a right relationship with Christ because apart from Christ, we remain enemies with God. There is no salvation of, uh, apart from Christ. And it's vital that we remain in Him and with Him until God calls us home. God's Word tells us to be faithful to the end in our belief, in our, in our following Christ. 
The, the, the idea behind uh, being 23, being who God created us to be in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, says make every effort to be found what? Spotless and blameless and at peace with God. I've been, I've been emphasizing the idea of Colossians chapter, chapter 1, verse 23, in and out, off and on throughout the year. But beginning with verse 22, it says, But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. The first word in verse 23, that's the catcher. If. If you continue in your faith. If you continue, and this isn't the only place we've seen this. We've looked at this multiple times in recent months. If you continue in the faith, if you're faithful to the end, if you finish the race, if you endure, if you persevere to the end, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you've heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Folks, we must remain faithful to the end. We have to remain faithful in our belief, in our walk with Christ, to the end. Again, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, Who do you say that I am? Who do you today say that Jesus is? We, we see in verse 16, Simon Peter gives his answer. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus is God, Creator, Sustainer, Head of the church, Reconciler. Whether we believe it or not, it's true. And it's not going to change. Who Jesus is and what Jesus does doesn't change. It will not change. We can't take snippets of the gospel and, and make our life look better. We have to humble ourselves and, and form, conform it to the biblical teachings. And sometimes that's hard to do. And that's why sometimes we don't. But while Jesus was fully human and fully man, He was much more than just a, a human being. Indeed, He was God Almighty Himself who gave up His Lordship and entered into this dirty, nasty, evil world to become a human, a man with emotions and feelings and has experienced everything that we have. But He was the one and only perfect person to ever live. And God the Father and God the Son have the same essence, but they're, but they're different people. And again, as, as God, as being Jesus, only a perfect and sinless sacrifice is able to be given for our sin. To be given up. For our salvation and, and Jesus is perfect 
in every way. And that's why Jesus, who is God in the flesh, was able to die for us because He was perfect. He is the only perfect sacrifice that could, that could die and take away the sins of the world and, and allow us to be reconciled with God and offer us eternal life. Praise God. In John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Those dirty, rotten scoundrels down the road, you know, there's no way in the world the Lord could save them. They're just too bad, God-awful and, and terrible. You're talking about Hamas and ISIS, and, and God would never save them. God, God can't do that. God, why would God want anybody like that in His kingdom? Why would He? Look at the horror that they've done. God doesn't want anybody like that, right? See, God loves. He loves them just as much as He loves me and you. Amen? Because we too were, were headed to hell on a slick and fast path before we met Jesus, right? It doesn't matter who they are, how bad they've been, who you are, how bad you've been. God can save everybody. He wants everybody in His kingdom. Amen? He wants everybody to spend eternity with Him. That's why He sent His Son to shed His blood on the cross so that everybody would have the opportunity to confess Him as Lord and Savior. God's Word tells us that there are going to be those that don't. But God also tells us as believers that we're just supposed to make sure they know. We're supposed to make sure that they hear the gospel. For Jesus said, No one comes to the Father but by me. And Paul writes, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. See, our eternal salvation is secure when we, when we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And no one can, 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 can take us from the grip of His hand. Nobody. I know with my kids and grandkids and, and as a little boy, you know, my dad, or, or I would hold something in my hand and, and the little kids, you know, Caroline would get up there and she'd pull one finger, or, you know, but she never could get them all open at one time. She could never get what was in my hand. Or I couldn't get what was in my daddy's hand because it was too strong. It had too tight a grip. Folks, that's the grip God has on your life. Amen? Because He is God. And nothing in this world can take you from the grip of the Father. Praise God. Praise God. You come this morning just as you are and accept that free gift of, of salvation. If you've never known Him before, come and, and receive that peace. Come and, and receive the goodness of God that we've been talking about, that we've been singing about. 
And for those here that have accepted Christ, how have, how have your beliefs about Jesus altered the course of your life? Take time to, to reflect on that. And then take it one step further. What does He want you to do? What does He want you to do next in your life with Him? How does Jesus need to change the course of your life going forward? I can't answer that for you. That's between you and the Lord. And during our hymn of invitation, just as you are, just as I am, God wants you to do that. To come just as you are. Because He knows all your faults and frailties and, and failures and, and your shortcomings. He just wants you to confess it to Him and ask you to walk with Him. So you come as we sing that this morning and you declare whatever you need to to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we do come to You today, God, acknowledging You as our God, Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, that Jesus is God the Son, that He is the Creator of all things, that He is the Sustainer of all things, that He is the Head of the Church, that He is the one and only one that can reconcile us with You, Father. So Father, whatever it is in our life, whatever course of direction we need to change in our life, God, we, we bring it to you right now. Hear our prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Thank mm-hmm. you.